If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Lamentations, because nothing says Happy Mother's Day like lamenting. All right, we didn't plan it this way, just kind of fell this way. You could argue that maybe we should have planned better, and you're probably right. But uh, here we are, all right, Lamentations chapter 3. Uh, here's, let me kind of reorient us where we are. Uh, we started a, f- a series a few weeks ago just called uh, So They Would Know, and that Kind of that idea that actually even that, that phrase, that wording, comes out of Psalm 78, which Jacob preached on. It's been, I guess, a month ago or more now. Uh, and there's the, the psalmist in Psalm 78 says that it's our responsibility, particularly fathers, parents, but, but really us as a generation. It is our responsibility as a people of God uh, to teach the next generation, um, to, to quote Psalm 78, it says, to teach them the glorious deeds of the Lord, so that they would know them, they would know that all that God has done, and that they would set their hope in God and not forget the work of God, keep His commandments. And so, um, so for the, the last few weeks you've been with us, we've been kind of talking about some big, sort of big overarching things related to family and parenting and, and raising up the next generation. Um, and so uh, we're going to continue that, right? So far we've been kind of looking back at some of the things that God has done, uh, but, but part of, at least part of what it means to train, raise up, equip the next generation um, is not just to point them back to what God has done, though that's a really important part of it. Uh, we also want to, to give them what they need, equip them with what they need uh, to, to navigate what's in front of them, right? As they're, as they're growing up, raising up, we're raising them up. Uh, They're going out into a world that's got all kinds of issues they're going to have to navigate. Uh, And so for the next few weeks, that's kind of what we're going to try to do. Just taking these, uh, just a few topics, it's by no means exhaustive, right? If if you're a parent, you know there's there's always something you're trying to address. Uh, But for the next few weeks, we're just going to try and take some specific topics that it's like this generation is going to have to navigate at some point, right? As we raise our children, we raise... Uh, whether it's our biological children or the children in, in our ministry that the Lord's entrusted to our care, um, we're going to have to prepare them, give them some tools to navigate some, some really challenging things in this uh, sort of day and time in which we live. And so um, that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. Um, and so, so my hope is that as, just as we tackle these themes, topics, ideas, uh, is, that, is that we're giving you as parents, grandparents, guardians, uh, ministry volunteers, right? Any, anyone that like, loves, cares for, invests in the next generation in some capacity, our hope is that we're going to give you the truth uh, and the tools that you'll need to help navigate some of these things uh, in whatever your context is, whether it's your home, uh, your, your classrooms out there, uh, whatever environment it is that you influence the next generation. We want to just give you... Uh, some of the things that, that I hope will be helpful as you combat the lies and the false narratives that, that our, our children are going to have to navigate. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, that brings us to topic of the day. And uh, let me give you some quick statistics to kind of set us up this morning. Um, everybody loves statistics, right? I won't, I won't, I won't exhaust it. Here we go. Uh, from 2016 to 2019... The number of children and adolescents experiencing 
anxiety and depression increased by approximately 25%. Keep in mind, that's 2016 to 2019. That's before the pandemic and everything shut down. And anybody that's been around kids since then knows that that number has had to have just skyrocketed, right? So here's another one. This blew my mind. 50% of lifetime mental illness begins by age 14. All right, so any, anyone that's, any, any child, or actually any adult for that matter, um, that, that experiences sort of a lifetime of, of ongoing mental illness and struggle, half of those adults, that struggle began for them before the age of 14. We're talking like middle school and earlier. Okay? According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, from 2007 to 2017, so a 10-year span, the number of children and adolescents admitted to the hospital for thoughts of suicide or self-harm doubled. And then along, kind of along those lines, suicide is the third leading cause of death for those between the ages of 10 and 24. Right? All that to say, there is epidemic and I don't think that's too strong of a word there's an epidemic of of anxiety depression despair mental illness I mean it's 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 the society that our children our grandchildren are going to grow up in I mean we're already growing up in it right I mean they're going to grow up immersed in it and so the question is then how do we as the people of God entrusted to right Raise up the next generation so that they set their hope in God. How do, we, like, how do we offer them hope in this day and age in which it, like, there's just so much despair and anxiety and, and depression? Right? And, and I hope man, our gut reaction is to say, okay, what, is, what, is, what does God have to say about this? What's the word have to say about this? Because right? I want us to be people of the word. Right? I want us to be people who are like, constantly just motivated by, shaped by, uh, saturated with, fed by, sustained by the word. Right? And so I think any, anything that our children, uh, or even us for that matter, are going to face out there, the first place we want to turn as the people of God is to the book. And what, is, and what does the word have to say about this? And so um, my hope this morning is that's what we're going to do. We're going to, listen, we're not going to be exhaustive on this topic, but I'm hoping we're going to at least give you something with some handles so that when you're, uh, you're raising up your children, your grandchildren, those uh, in the next generation that have been entrusted to your care, and my hope is that we're going to give you something that's going to be helpful to you. Okay? Um, so, first, let me, let me say this. Let me jump over here for just a second. Um, so we are created as dichotomous beings, meaning that we are Two parts, right? Body, soul. And the reason I bring, like, those are inseparable, okay? Like, it's just who we, it's how God created us. We have a physical body, we have a soul. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is because, uh, because of the fall and the effects of sin, like, our, just as our souls experienced the brokenness of that and the, the separation from God, like, our physical bodies, like, feel the effects of the fall, Right? And where I'm going with this is 
there very well may be times when because of uh, brokenness in our physical bodies where medication, therapy, counseling, where these are necessary and a part of, of finding healing. Okay, because not only are our souls broken, our bodies are broken. Right? There's chemical imbalances. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on around this discussion. Okay? And I think those things approached with wisdom and uh, proper attention and care, like those are good gifts of God's common grace. Okay? With that said, I'm not a doctor. At least not the type you should take medical advice from. Okay? So I'm content to stay in my lane because while we are more than spiritual beings, we are not less than spiritual beings. In other words, every issue is, because again, we're physical, spiritual, like you can't separate them. Every issue is spiritual to some degree. I'm not saying it's the only issue, but every issue, like it's it's spiritual in some capacity. And so that's the lane I'm going to stay in. I just want to talk specifically this morning about, man, how do we address, navigate, handle? How do we teach our children to navigate anxiety, depression, despair, mental illness and struggle uh, f- from a spiritual standpoint? Okay, that, that's my goal this morning, just so you know where, where I'm going, all right? So with that said, that brings us to the book of Lamentations. Um, we're going to uh, get there in just a minute, but, but like every book of the Bible, right, Lamentations written uh, by real men, Right, under the, the inspiration, supervision of the Holy Spirit, right, they were experiencing real circumstances at real points in time. Like, so this is real life stuff happening here. And so for context, uh, Lamentations was written by uh, Jeremiah. Right? Jeremiah the prophet. Uh, Lamentations is a collection of poems um, as th- that Jeremiah penned as he's expressing grief, um, lament over watching Jerusalem fall uh, as it was taken captive by the Babylonian uh, Empire in 586 B.C. Okay? So there's a little bit of context. Uh, From what we know about Jeremiah, he was a bullfrog. Uh, A few of you, I give credit where credit's due. Zach came into my office and I was talking to him about Jeremiah this week and he's like, the bullfrog? I'm like, that's good, I'm going to use it. Okay? Okay. Jeremiah was a prophet, okay, which means he spoke on behalf of God to the people of Israel. Right, God gives Jeremiah a word. Jeremiah goes and gives that word to uh, the people of Israel. And so, uh, but not only was he a prophet, we know Jeremiah was a very emotional man. Okay? Uh, he's known as the weeping prophet. Right, what a nickname. Right? Known as, known as the, the weeping prophet because he, man, he felt things deeply. Right? He's watching this city, this people he loves, this people that, that he's um, to, to speak to on behalf of God. He's watching them be taken captive. Right? And, uh, and, and he feels deeply like the pain and the anguish related to that. Okay? He, I mean, he has no problem expressing his emotions in ways that are borderline uncomfortable. For example, right, this is in Jeremiah 20. You don't have to turn there. Just trust me, it's there. Okay. Jeremiah's words as he's praying to God. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Oh Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. Like, what would you do? Real talk. What would you do if, 
if we opened our service this morning and Zach's like, hey, glad you guys are here. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Lord, you have deceived me. Like, my, like what are you doing? My guess is you're going to get your kids and you're like, we're leaving before the roof falls in. Okay. Right, but, but man, this guy, he like deep emotions and did not have a problem expressing them. Okay. And then what's crazy is you go down just like a few verses later, verse 13 of Jeremiah chapter 20. Listen to this. Same prayer. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. And we're talking like this 12 seconds later. It's like, Lord, you have deceived me. Praise your name. Okay, and then like the very next verse, verse 14, he spends several verses like lamenting the day he was born. Now, I'm serious. You can go look it up. Jeremiah chapter 20. He's like, uh, he, he's cursing the day he was born. He's cursing the man who announced his birth to his father. Uh, he's wishing that his mother's womb was his grave. I mean, I think it's safe to say like our brother Jeremiah has got some real struggles. Right? Some, some real like internal stuff going on. Maybe a little unstable. And if this were like, here's the deal. If this were just a guy like on the street corner yelling these things out, like we could ignore it. Right? You'd be that thing like where you're at, sitting in the, uh, the lane like to leave the shopping center. And like you don't know what's going on here in the street corner. And so you're just like windows up, doors locked straight ahead. Don't make eye contact. Right? If, if that's who we're talking about, you could do that. But this is Jeremiah. Right? This is a prophet who speaks to God's people on behalf of God. Right? So, and, and not only that, like the Holy Spirit saw fit to record these words in the Bible for us to read generation after generation after generation. So like we don't get to just sort of like put blinders on and be like, well, that's don't know what to do with that. Like we've got to do something with it. Right? And I would submit to you that at least one reason, there's more, but at least one reason that this is recorded in the scriptures is because, man, these feelings that he's feeling, despair, anxiety, depression, frustration, despondency, these are real human experiences. Like real human experiences. And because they're real, we shouldn't ignore them. Right? And sometimes, let's be real, we come in church sometimes, and life could be falling apart. Somebody comes up to you, hey, how you doing? Oh, just blessed, brother. Just, just doing great. It's wonderful. Inside, it's like everything is fought. Like, you don't even want to be here. Right? I, that's true. And we can acknowledge that, right? We can be honest about that. Right? And so that's, that's like part of the practical application here before we get to some of the other stuff. Part of the practical application for us in like learning how to navigate and deal with and respond to uh, these sort of feelings is we've got to actually acknowledge that we have them. Right? And that it's okay to feel that way. If Jeremiah, a prophet, can express these things, I'm pretty sure we can too. Because I mean, I don't know your spiritual condition. I'm pretty confident you're not a prophet. And if he can experience these things, so can you, right? Like, why would we want to? Why would we want to pretend that like we don't experience those for ourselves? So, with that said, we're going to look at Lamentations chapter three.
We're going to zoom in on verses 21 through 24, but I want to read some things, not the whole passage. I just want to highlight some things to get us to verses 21 through 24, okay? Uh, So here's some things uh, that that Jeremiah says in the first 20 verses. This is him just like pouring out his heart. In verses 2 and verses 6, Jeremiah feels surrounded by darkness. In verse 3, Uh, Jeremiah says he feels like the Lord is is against him. Verses 5 and 15, uh, he feels surrounded by bitterness and trouble and pain. Verse 7, he feels trapped and burdened. Verse 8, he feels like God refuses to hear his prayers. Verses 10 through 13, he feels like God is trying to destroy him. Verse 14, he feels humiliated. Verse 17, Uh, He says he has no peace. And maybe the most depressing of all of it, he says, I have forgotten what happiness is. Right? Verse 18, he says he cannot keep going this way, uh, that he's he's lost all hope. And the verse 20 is kind of like this culmination of all of it. He says, my soul continually remembers it. All these things he just said. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. It's like he's constantly consumed by these feelings of despair and depression and despondency and he can't get out from under it right he just feels crushed by it now quick show of hands anybody ever felt any of these all right we can be human in here i like that okay of course we felt these things because this is part of the human experience right but while we may feel these things at any given moment What we cannot do as the people of God is just lay down and wallow in it. Which is where Jeremiah takes us in verse 21. All right? So verses 1 through 20, just him pouring out this like anguish of his soul. Verse 21. But. So already you got like this change in direction here, right? Change in, in thinking. But. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Here's what you see. In In the middle of his despair, right? In the middle of his sort of uh mental, emotional anguish, in the middle of that, and he has like somewhat of an epiphany. Because all these things are what he's he feels. But this is what I feel. I feel crushed. I feel perplexed. I feel uh, in despair. I feel like you've forgotten me. I feel like I'm in darkness. I feel like I'm just surrounded by trouble and pain. I feel like you've, you've just left me here. This is, what he ref- this is what he feels as a result of what's going on around him. But, but what does he say? But this I call to mind. In other words, just because it's what I feel doesn't mean it's what's real. Just because like, this is like what I feel uh, in, my, in my heart, in my emotions, it doesn't mean that this is what is actually true. Okay? He, he says, this I call to mind. It's like there's an element of like, fact over feeling here. He's, he's looking it out at everything that he sees and he feels despair, but then he calls this to mind. And he, he brings what he knows to be true to his mind. Right? Fact, truth over 
feeling. This is, listen, this is why this whole follow your heart is usually terrible advice. Is there anything more deceptive than the human heart? Right? And so Jeremiah here, looking at everything that's going on, his heart is crushed, but then he's like, but this is not what's true. Just because it's what I feel, it's not what's true. And so look at what he calls to mind in verse 22. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So, where does Jeremiah find hope? As he's looking out, everything's falling apart. As his heart's kind of failing him in this moment, where does he, where does he find hope? Certainly not in his circumstances. Certainly not in his feelings, sort of these emotional responses. Right, those things can, man, your, your circumstances, your emotions, your feelings, those, can, those things can like waver in the drop of a hat. Right? I mean, for example, anybody ever had, you're just having a great day, like things are going awesome, and then you get like, like one bit of news that just flips everything upside down. Right? That's why you can't, I mean, you can't put your hope in your situations, your circumstances, your emotions. You can't put your hope in those things. Right? This is what Jeremiah does. He, he finds his hope not in his situations, his circumstances, not in his feelings or his emotions, but in the unwavering, unchanging, unchanging character of God. Specifically, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness. Now, that sounds good, but I want you to remember Jeremiah's context. Right, he is a prophet speaking to the people of God on behalf of God, and he's watching as Jerusalem is being overthrown. And I don't mean like the kind of overthrown that like, like we get upset about, like when our candidate that we like gets beat and the candidate we don't like goes into office and so we just get thrown into a tizzy. I mean like they're actually being overthrown. Like the Babylonians have come in They've plundered the people of, of God. They've plundered the Israelites. They're, they're like taking over the city of Jerusalem, the city where the temple was, where God's presence dwelt among his people. Like they're being plundered and taken captive. Like this is real takeover. He's looking out at all that. And just so we're clear, like they're not passive in this. Right? God warned the people of Israel time and time and time and time again and, and said, hey, if you continue in your disobedience, you continue in your rebellion, I will give you over to your enemies. And what do they do? They continued in their disobedience and they continued in their rebellion. And so God's like, all right, I'm going to make good on my promise. I told you what to expect. And so that's what happens. He allows the Babylonians to come in and set up shop. And so Jeremiah is looking at all this happening. The city falling, taken captive by, uh, by their enemies, by outsiders. And he's looking at all this. And surely, and we're talking about God's love, his mercy, his faithfulness. Surely God's love has run out for this people. Right? As you look at what's going on, you've got to imagine, like, surely God is like, you know what? I, I cannot love you anymore. I'm out. Right? Or, 
His mercy? Right? Surely, surely His mercy has meet like its, its, its limits. He's like, I've got no more to offer. You're rebellious, disobedient people. I've got nothing. His faithfulness? Right? Looking out at, at God's chosen people being plundered and taken captive, you're like, surely His faithfulness has run out. Right? There, and so if you... If that's what he rooted his hope and confidence in, is what he saw going on right in front of him, well, of course he's going to feel the way he does in verses 1 through 20. Right? When there's, man, when, when you're being plundered and taken captive and uh, when your city's being ransacked by enemies, of course you're going to be in despair. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have Jeremiah roots his confidence, roots his hope, not in what he sees, not even in what he's experiencing in this moment, certainly not in what he feels in this moment. Right? He roots his hope in what he knows to be true about God, even if he doesn't see it right now. Okay? So how do you do that? Because right, that sounds awesome until you actually have to do it, right? So let's get practical. Okay, like, like, what do you, how do you do that when it looks like, feels like everything is crumbling around you? And you begin to feel like overwhelmed, anxious, uh, despair. Like, how do you actually get out from under what you feel and call to mind, like, what's actually true? Right? Because it's, it's one thing to just be told, like, hey, don't be anxious. Okay, thanks for the help. <laughs> what do I do with that? You know? Let me give you three things. To get out from under what you feel and call to mind what is actually true. Three things. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God. Right? We're going to talk about them. Each one, right? Let's talk about the Word of God. Believing what is real, what is true, over and above what you feel in any given moment begins by filling your mind with the truth of who God is. And this happens before you get in that moment. Right? Like, it begins with filling your mind with the truth of what God has done, how he has proven himself time and time again, how he's shown his faithfulness to unfaithful people. This is why it's so important to give yourself to the regular, consistent reading of of the Bible. It's not like just, it's not like when you hear people say that, pastors or leaders say that, it's not like we're just trying to get you to check off some list of do this to be a good Christian in your daily duty. Like that's legalism, that's not helpful. No, the reason we want you should like give yourself to the regular reading of the Bible is because that's what fills your mind with the truth of who God is. So that in those moments when, man, like your your heart and emotions can just run wild and rampant, you're like, no, this is what I feel is not true. This is what's true, because this is how God reveals Himself to His people. It's through His through His Word. Right? You've got to give yourself to the regular intake of God's Word. Because if you don't, you, you will not be able to distinguish what's true 
from what, just like, what do I feel in this moment? Right? Apart from, apart from God's word, you will not know the depths of the character of God. Right? You, not, you will not know the, the truth of his steadfast love, as Jeremiah says. You will not know the truth of his never-ending mercies. You will not know uh, the, the, the vast resources of, of faithfulness, the vast examples of faithfulness in his word. You won't know those things apart from actually spending time in the word. And listen, scroll, like if all you're getting of the word is like what somebody posts on Facebook every day, like that is insufficient. Right? The, I think of Jesus, um, I think of Jesus when he's being tempted. Right? He keeps calling to mind the word of God in those moments. Satan tempts him responds with the word of God. Satan Timpson responds with the word of God. He says that man cannot eat, or man cannot live by bread alone, but by, right, by the word of God. Right, you, you, if all you're relying on is either uh, sort of things you see online about God's word, or, uh, listen, I'll even go further. If all you're relying on is what you get from me once a week, that is not enough to sustain you. I try hard to give you something like worth digesting. Right? I try to prepare a decent meal for you. But it doesn't matter how good of a meal I prepare for you, if you only eat once a week, like you're going to be malnourished. And you will not know the truth of who God is as deeply and as firmly as you should. Right? You, you, you will... If, if you don't get in the Word, you will not have anything to call, them, call to mind when anxiety and despair and depression gets louder and louder and louder. All right? So, talked about the Word of God. Next one will be fairly quick, the Spirit of God. Right? Not only do we have God's Word revealed to us, given to us in the Scriptures, uh, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit like dwelling inside you in this moment, right now. Right? And uh, when you leave this place, you'll have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside. And what happens is the Spirit like sort of supercharges the Word. I don't know if that's like the technical term. I don't think that's in the Greek in the Bible. Uh, but here's like what I mean by that is, is as you read the Word, and as you take it in, as you uh, meditate on it and dwell on it, uh, what happens is, is the Spirit is the one who, who prompts you and reminds you of that truth. This is what Jesus says in John 16 about the Holy Spirit. Right? He says that uh, he will guide you into all the truth. Right? This is what the Spirit does. Here's what's crazy. Jesus himself told his disciples, hey, it's actually to your advantage that I leave so that the Spirit can come. What does that say about like the presence of the Spirit in us? Like, I don't think we give the Holy Spirit enough credit, man. If Jesus himself is like, you know what? It's better that I just go so that you have the Spirit. Right? This, is, this is what we have access to. And here's, here's how it works. At least here's what I found to be true in my life. Um, real talk. So I, I get up usually about 5 a.m. most mornings. That's my time in the Word because if I don't get up before the kids get up, like, forget it. It ain't happening. 
So I get up early, I get in the Word, and I'm just going to be honest enough to tell you that the vast majority of my mornings in the Bible are not profound. Like, there's times where, like, I'll read, I'll get done with, like, kind of the, the plan I'm going on. I've got different sections I'm reading through. I'll get, like, the third or fourth section in. I'm like, I don't remember anything I just read. Anybody else? All right, good. All right. I thought if I could be vulnerable in that, then maybe you guys could too. But here's, what, here's what's absurd. As I can't tell you how many times, like I've, right, I'm just trying to regularly take in the word, like each, each morning. It's very rarely is it ever profound. But I can't tell you how many times I've, I've faced a situation or a scenario or, or even my own thoughts of despair or anxiousness come in. And all of a sudden, like this scripture just comes to mind. Right? Like supernaturally, because it is supernatural. Right? It's, just, it's there. Right? I was not aware of it. There was not, a, like, I didn't underline it in my Bible that morning. It's just there. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, hey, uh, you're going to need that today. I'm just going to drop it in your lap. Here you go. Right? This is what the Spirit does. Right? It takes the Word of God, sort of amplifies it, supercharges it, reminds us of it guides us and points us into truth when we need it the most, all right? And then the third one. So we talked about the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the third one, the people of God. Right? How, do we, and how do we sort of combat and navigate these feelings of, of anxiety and despair and depression whenever they start to come up? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and with the people of God. Right? Because as believers, not only do you have the gift of the Word, not only do you have the gift of the Spirit, you've got the gift of these people around you. And they are a gift. Okay? Like Paul tells the church in Ephesus. Uh, he says one of the things that we're supposed to do as a church is speak the truth to one another in love. And I think most of the time when we see that phrase, we're like, yeah, that's, that means that I can uh, say hard, th I should say hard things to people just like, maybe not as harsh as I could say them. Speak the truth in love. And that's certainly part of it, right? There are some times when we need people that will look us in the eye and say, hey, you're being stupid and I love you. Like, we do need that. Don't tell my kids I said stupid, by the way. <laughs> but is it not, like, can it be more than that? Is it not that sometimes, like, we need other brothers and sisters that love us to look at us and tell us and remind us what is true when we're having a hard time seeing it and believing it for ourselves. Like that's the, that's the gift of the church. Like when I find myself in a place where like I am anxious, I am, man, I'm, I'm giving myself over to feelings of despair, like I'm crushed, like I... To have somebody that can come alongside me and, and just remind me, like, hey, I know you can't see it now. Here's the truth about God. Here's the truth about what he says. Here's the truth about what he's promised. That's a gift. That's what the church is. Right? This is, like, I, I get this from several people, but, I mean, my wife, I get this from her. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, like, I've been, like, just about ready to, like, I'm, I, I, I'm about to drive off a cliff. She just reels me back in, right? Hey, this is what's true about, this is what the Lord says. This is what's true about the situation. This is what, like, 
And to have people in your life, whether it's your spouse or just other church members that can do that to you. That when you're having a hard time believing the promises of God, you're having a hard time seeing the promises of God, they can wrap their arms around you and say, hey, this is what's true. I know it doesn't feel true, but it's what's true. That is a gift. It's a gift. And what happens, because I've seen it happen a gazillion times, what happens far too often is we begin to feel these, uh, these feelings of, of anxiety and depression and despair and despondency. things, and, and so like we've been sort of trained as a culture or as, really as a church to like put on this facade like everything's okay all the time. And so in these moments when all of a sudden things aren't okay, we sort of like retreat into the darkness, kind of into hiding, kind of pull away from the community. And we, we, like we, we tell ourselves, like, let me just step back, let me gather myself, and then I'll re-engage with people. That's what we tell ourselves. And I'm telling you that's a lie from the pits of hell because what happens is the enemy loves to get you alone. Right? The, Satan is described as a lion who prowls around seeking to devour. And I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to devour someone who's kind of alone and by themselves and isolated than it is to devour someone who's surrounded by and linked arms with other brothers and sisters that say, I love you, I care for you, I support you, I know you're struggling, get in here. Right, that's true. That's true in any area of struggle, but especially this one especially when it comes to anxiety and depression and despair and despondency. So, back to the text. We still got one more verse to go. It'll be quick, I promise. Verse 24. This is kind of like Jeremiah sort of like wrapping it all up, kind of putting a nice little bow on it. Verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion says my soul. And here's what I love. Like if you read, like the verse, first 20 verses is all like his soul feels crushed. Right? And then in verse 21, you get, okay, I need to remind myself of what's true. It, in my mind, get out from under my feelings, what I know to be true in my mind. And then you got this return to kind of like his soul in verse 24. Right? But, but notice how things have changed. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Like his, his simple, profound conclusion as he looks out at everything falling apart, feeling anxious, feeling the, the, the reality of despair, this is his, his conclusion. God is enough. The Lord is my portion. It just means God is enough. He alone can satisfy me. He alone is sufficient. And therefore, I will hope in him. Right? As, as Jeremiah gets out from under what he feels and reminds himself of what is real and what is true, his steadfast love, uh, God's mercy that's unceasing, his, uh, his faithfulness he comes to this conclusion that God is enough. Right? And, and because God is enough, 
There is always hope. Despite what I might see, despite what I might be experiencing, despite what I might feel at any given moment. Right? My situations and my circumstances change. My emotions that are linked to those things change. But the God of the Bible never changes. Same yesterday, today, forever. You want a $5 theological word? He is immutable, unable to be mutated. He does not change. And that's where hope is found. You put your, when you put your hope in things that can change and the drop of a dime, then that's, what kind of hope is that? But to put your hope in the one who does not change, who has in eternity past been just the same as he is now and will be for eternity present. His love, his mercy, his faithfulness, that's where hope is found. Right? And then really quickly, if, if we could just fast forward for a second from these pages of the Old Testament to the pages of the New Testament, here's what we see. Right? You and I have an advantage that Jeremiah didn't have. You're like, wait a second, he was a prophet, he heard from God, and that seems like a pretty good advantage. Here's, what, here's the advantage that you and I have, is that we've seen God's love. We've seen his mercy. We've seen his faithfulness on full display in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to, it's not ethereal for us. Like, we don't have to wonder about it. Like, it's there, it happened. On the cross of Jesus Christ, the, the Lord proved his great love for us, his unending mercies that he lavishes on us. He's proved his faithfulness to us despite our unfaithfulness. Right? We, we root our hope in the character of God perfectly revealed to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's where we find hope. Okay, so, let me land the plane. Bring it back to where we started. We were talking about the next generation out of Psalm 78 where, where it's our job to teach and train and equip them and to raise them up so that they would know all that God has done and set their hope in Him. Right, here, here's how we help the next generation. Right, especially in this day and age where they're surrounded by all these things we've talked about. Despair, depression, anxiety, all that. Here's how we help the next generation. The Word of God the Spirit of God, the people of God, the Son of God. We fill their minds with the truth of God's Word. We make it a priority. We fill their minds with the Word and trust that the Spirit will continue to guide them in that. And we pray that He would continue to guide them in that. And we make it a priority to surround them with the people of God. That the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God, we make it a priority to get our kids surrounded by their church family. Right? Other people that love them, care for them, can pour truth of who God is, what He is like, His character, His trustworthiness. We surround them with a church family that can pour into them. And then we point them over and over and over and over and over again to the Son of God. The one who is the 
the perfect, tangible display of God's unceasing love, his never-ending mercies, and his faithfulness. That's how we teach and train and equip the next generation so that they would know and set their hope in God. I want to invite you to stand with me, if you would. Before we pray and uh, sing like we do at the end of every service, uh, here's what I I want to say. Like we've kind of launched this morning and landed like talking about the next generation, but here's what I know. Like this is not just something that the next generation is going to struggle with or is struggling with. There's probably plenty of us in this room that this is our struggle now. Like this is where we find ourselves this morning. So this is not just some like far off thing for us. It's like this is how I walked in here this morning. Struggling, anxious, depressed, in despair, despondent. And if that's you this morning, um, here's what I would just ask. Would you just let someone know? Right? Would you just let, you know, I'm not saying like you have to come up here and like declare it to everybody, but would you just let someone know? Like let the church actually be the church to you this morning. Right? And as always, right, as the band comes forward, I'm going to be down front. Would love to pray with you. Uh, I can after service if you, if you want to chat. Right, would love to pray with you. Um, but man, let's let's actually like acknowledge that these things are real. We experience these things, and that there is hope to be found in the character of God. All right, would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you, and we are grateful um, for your unceasing love for your mercies that um, are inexhaustible, new every morning, for your faithfulness that has been on display generation after generation after generation. And Father, I pray that, um, Lord, you would help those of us that are entrusted with raising the next generation. Really, that's all of us in this room to some degree. It's going to look different for each one of us depending on our, our place and phase and a stage in life, but Father, as we're entrusted to raise the next generation in a day and time in which and the, the feelings of uh, pain and anguish and despair and anxiety and depression, when they are real, Lord, would you remind us of what is true about you so that we might impart those truths to our children, our grandchildren, the children in our ministry, uh, the children in our classrooms, or the next generation that you've entrusted to us. Help us to be faithful, to fill their minds with the truth of who you are. And then, Father, for those that are here this morning, uh, maybe this is, this is not a word for their children or their grandchildren. This is a word for them. Uh, I pray that, that you would fill their minds by your Spirit with the truth of who you are. That, uh, that when those feelings of sort of being overwhelmed, of despair, of just kind of wanting to, to check out, like when those feelings come, would we, and we submit those things to you, submit those things to your word, submit those to the truth of who you are and your character. Um, and Lord, we thank you for the tangible, physical, Uh, We don't have to wonder about how you feel or what you're like. We've seen it on full display in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for that. 
Father, just even as I'm praying that this morning, if there's, if there's one here this morning that's, and they've never, they've never submitted their lives to you, they've never responded to the invitation uh, of salvation offered by Jesus Christ, I pray that today you would convict their spirits of that. Lord, you, you work in mysterious ways, and I'm not, I don't ever want to think that even though a, a message wasn't like heavy salvation, that you couldn't work and move and save someone this morning. And so I pray that you would do that. So Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning, help us to believe the truth about your word, to respond accordingly. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.